Thank you. Amen. Good morning. Good to see all of you here this morning. We have many of our women up in Prescott this morning. And, uh, but we're glad you all are here. We're glad you're joining us from your home this morning uh, at the Oasis Church here in Gilbert, Arizona. Psalm 94 is where we're going to be this morning. We're going through the book of Joshua, but we're also folding in some psalms from Psalm 90 through Psalm 99, and this morning we are in Psalm 94. And this goes right along with what we're dealing with in the book of Joshua, that our life can have battles. And certainly the people of God are fighting battles as they're moving through and possessing the promised land, and our lives can be much the same. And God wants us to understand, especially from this psalm this morning, that he understands we live in a world of evil, wickedness, and injustice. How do we as God's people respond to that? How do we rise above the evil, wickedness, and injustice that we see all around us? How do we ground ourselves at a time like this, even times in which we are living today as we see what's going on in our country and around the world? So this is a very relevant message this morning. If I had to title this message, I think I would title it The Avenger, that God is the ultimate and only Avenger, and we'll talk about that in a minute. I think if there's a key verse in this psalm, it would be uh, Psalm 94, verse 15. Look at it just briefly with me. The psalmist says, For justice, or the right, if you will, will prevail. And all the morally upright, or those whose hearts the Lord has made right, because only the Lord can change a heart, will be vindicated. The key word there to me is the word will. It's not happening yet. Justice will prevail, and those whose hearts God has made right will be vindicated, but not yet. Not yet. So how do we live with the promise that it's coming, justice, the right, but it hasn't come yet. How do we navigate the time in which we live until this day comes? Well, a couple of things. If you go back to Psalm 94, verse 1, you begin to see in these first four verses the longing that the psalmist has for the right to come and for the righteous, the ones whom God has made righteous, to be vindicated. And one of the things that I want to share with some of you, I'm sure some of you already do this, but one of the things I want to incorporate into my message this morning that I don't think I ever have here at the Oasis is I want to share with you how I pray Scripture 
Because that's something that I think as believers we could do or should do. It's not only read scripture and study scripture, but pray scripture. And I want to give you a few examples of that from the psalm this morning. But you'll notice how the psalmist starts out. He's dealing here with the problem of wickedness. And yet these psalms that we're looking at, Psalm 90 through 99, deal with God as king, righteous king. And so God is revealing to us that, yes, as the righteous king of the universe, I will execute justice. But that day has not yet come. So you have here the psalmist longing again for that justice to come. Notice he says, O oh Lord, the God who avenges, the God who vindicates, our advocate who achieves justice, O oh God who avenges, reveal your splendor. Again, God is referred to as the God who avenges. For the last 15 years, probably, in our world, the most popular film series has been one based on the Avengers, right? Why is that? Why is the whole idea of avenging so popular and, and it hits a mark for people, whether they're saved or not saved? Because I believe that when God created us as human beings, he built into us a desire for justice a desire for things to be right, even though we live in such a crazy, unright world, that there's something within us that desires for things to be right and to be made right. And that's exactly what the psalmist is crying out for. He's saying, God, I know you're a God who's going to execute justice. I know you're a just God. I want you then, God, to reveal your splendor. Literally, display your glory, God. Come back to this earth and let people see who you really are and vindicate your followers once and for all. Look at verse 2. Rise up, take action, God, O judge of the earth. This is a plea for final judgment. This is a plea for God literally to come and finally make things right, to, to make things on earth be what they should be, what hopefully we as God's people want them to be. Then notice, pay back the proud or recompense the arrogant. Again, once and for all. God, I don't, I don't want you to just you know, do something temporarily. I, I want you to bring justice and, and what is right on this earth forever. I, I want it to totally change. I want everything to change. I want the value system of this world to change. I want everyone to see, God, that your way is right and that you are right. Oh, Lord, how long? See, it's really a timing thing. It's, it's like the psalmist understands, and, and God is going to make this assurance at the end of the psalm. My justice is coming. It is certain. There's no question about that. Otherwise, I would cease to be God. But we're not there yet. 
My plan and purposes are being worked out, but we're not there yet. And so the whole sort of struggle that we have, the tension that we have, even as God's people, is the timing of it. Lord, how long will the wicked... How long will the wicked celebrate? How long are they going to get their way? How long are the, those that aren't right going to continue to be able to do what's not right? God, when? When are you going to come and make things right? Verse 4, they spew out threats and speak defiantly as if, you know, they're the end-all, be-all. And they don't have to answer to anyone, and they're not accountable to anyone, and they get to do what they want to do, God. When is it going to be that you put them all in their place? All the evildoers boast. They keep acting proudly. God, when are you going to humble them? When are you going to put them in their place? And so that's how the psalm starts out recognizing, first of all, that God is king. He rules. And, and he rules even the nations of the earth. And yes, he is a God of justice. And he is going to execute justice one day on the earth, full and finally. But we're not there yet. And so the psalmist is basically expressing this desire of their heart the same way you and I do, right? I mean, we, we live in this world that is so wrong in many respects. And to me, when, when we're aligning ourselves with God, we, we don't want this anymore. We, we want God to come and make things right and do exactly what the psalmist is declaring here. If I was to pray these particular verses, I couldn't help but think about what Jesus taught us to pray in the Gospel of Matthew that lines up with the psalmist here. When Jesus says, when you pray... Pray, your name be honored, your kingdom come, and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's exactly what the psalmist is, in a sense, saying here. God, I want your name to be honored. It's not being honored as it should be on earth. I want your kingdom to come. I want your will to be done on earth like it is in heaven. And so if we were to pray this scripture, those would be some of the things that we would pray for. The same thing that the psalmist is praying for. God, how long? God, when? God, we want you to be glorified in the earth in which you created. We want men and women to see who you really are. We don't want you to be ignored anymore. We don't want you to be dismissed. We want your glory to fall, God. And we want all the wrongs that are on this earth right now to be made right. Oh, God, that's what we want. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Then look at verse 5. 
O Lord, they, speaking of the proud and the arrogant, they crush your people. The injustices many times targets the people of God. They oppress the nation that belongs to you. Notice, they kill the widow and the one residing outside his native land, and they murder the fatherless. Those who are most vulnerable, the widows, the orphans, the foreigners, doesn't it remind you of verses in the New Testament where God says, yes, until my justice comes, I need my people to be my hands and feet in an unjust world. I need you, when you see injustice, to try to correct it in some way. I need you, when you see the most vulnerable be, being taken advantage of, I need you to reach out, and I need you to care for them. I need you to be my hands and feet. James chapter 1, verse 27 says, Pure religion and undefiled before God is that we care for orphans and widows. And then I'll turn to this passage of Scripture. You don't have to all turn there if you don't want to, but it's found in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 25. And I'm just going to read verses 31 through 40 to you. Jesus here is speaking. He says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him and he will sit on his glorious throne, all the nations will be assembled before him and he will separate people one from another like a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, I tell you the truth, that just as you did it for one of the least of these brothers or sisters of mine, you did it for me. See, the psalm starts out with a cry for justice and a cry to the God who is the only one that can bring justice to the earth. But God understands we're not there yet. So in the meantime, yes, there's going to be oppression. There, there's going to be injustice. There's going to be evil and wickedness and deception and all of these things. And many times those who are most vulnerable in our society are going to be taken advantage of. And I need, God is saying, I need my people to rise up and in a sense, get their eyes always off of themselves and get them on others in need. And in the meantime, until I come as the God of justice, I need you to take care of one another. I need you to look out for one another. I need you to minister to one another and meet one another's needs. I need you to be my hands and my feet in an unjust world. 
back to Psalm 94, verse 7. Then they say, speaking again of the proud and arrogant, the Lord does not see us. <laughs> see, the wicked oppressors reject the truth that God sees all and knows all. The God of Jacob does not take notice of it. Oh, the psalmist says, take notice of this, you ignorant people. You fools, when will you even or ever understand? Does the one who makes the human ear not hear? Does the one who forms the eye not see? Does the one who disciplines the nations not punish? He is the one who imparts knowledge to human beings. The Lord knows that people's thoughts are morally bankrupt. God not only sees all and hears all, God even knows the thoughts of every human being, even if they're not spoken, because God is omniscient. God knows all things. Therefore, God is the perfect judge. God is the only one that can execute justice perfectly because God sees everything and therefore will judge accordingly. You and I, as much as we think sometimes we can judge things, we only see a part of things. It is only God that knows every angle and every part of something. He actually even knows the hearts of all individuals and even the thoughts that have never been spoken. God is the only one that knows all that. Therefore, God is again the perfect and only judge and one who brings true justice. But there's also something else in this. And that again is that the wicked don't think they're accountable to anyone. That's why they deny God. That's why they're atheistic or agnostic. That's why they try to push God out of the way because they don't want to ever even think about being accountable to a God, much less a God of perfect justice. God doesn't see what we're doing. God doesn't hear what we're saying. God doesn't know my thoughts. Oh, yes, he does. And one day he's going to come and bring true justice, true righteousness to this earth because he can but there's a way that we can look at this aspect of God as well. And this is what I would pray after reading and meditating on these verses. Thank you, God, for seeing everything that happens to me. Thank you, God, for knowing exactly what I'm going through. You don't miss a thing. You see every intimate detail of my life, and God, thank you for being such an intimate God, a God who is interested in everything about my life, every detail. You hear everything that I hear. You see everything that I see. You know my thoughts as well as the thoughts of others. God, thank you for those that are doing evil the thought of God knowing everything obviously is a negative. But for his people, it can be a real positive because there are some days where we go through the day and where we are on the 
opposite side of that evil and wickedness and oppression and all of that, and we get heard, and, and people say things to us or about us. And In fact, there are things that are said about us that you and I will never know because they're not said in our presence, and they're said behind our backs and all of that. God sees all that. God hears all that. God knows all that, and we can take comfort in that. He'll set things right. He'll make things be what they need to be. You and I don't need to avenge ourselves, as Paul says to the Romans. Vengeance is God's. Therefore, we are to give place to God's wrath and to God's vengeance. He'll be the one that makes things right. He'll be the one that takes up for us, his people. We don't need to do that ourselves. We let that to God especially because we don't know everything, but God does. And God is the only one that can bring perfect judgment and perfect justice to every situation. That leads to what I think is sort of the main thrust of the psalm, verses 12 through the rest of the psalm, where the psalmist says, here's how you and I can rise above the injustices and wickedness and evil of the day. Here's how we can ground ourselves in the times in which we live. It's by reminding us that God is with us, his people, even in the midst of injustice and wickedness that we live in on this earth. And the psalmist is basically saying God gives us his precepts or principles, God gives us his promises, and God gives us his presence to be able to ground ourselves in the days in which we live, and that's enough. If we truly immerse ourselves in the worship and word of God. Notice what he says in verse 12. How blessed, how fortunate, how favored is the one who you instruct, O Lord. The one whom you teach from your law in order to protect him or her from times of trouble. The psalmist is making a very important point. He's saying God has given us his word so that even in the midst of times of trouble, if we know his word, if we trust his word, if we meditate upon his word, his word will help us to find rest and refuge even in the midst of times of trouble. God says, my people are being destroyed because of their lack of knowledge. If they just knew, they wouldn't get all, you know, twisted about even the things that they see going on in the world. You know, I'll just say, you know, right here, I think it's pretty obvious just taking the last couple of years of what's happened in our lives on this earth, that between all of the political stuff in our own country in the last couple of years, to the pandemic, now to this war in Ukraine with Russia, I think God is literally like shouting to his people, trust me, trust me. 
my plans and my purposes aren't being thwarted in all of this. It's just the opposite. I'm a God who's at work in spite of the evil, wickedness, and injustice that you're seeing all around you. In fact, I'm a God whose plans and purposes are being moved forward even through the evil, injustice, and wickedness that you see. I'm maneuvering this world and the nations of this world to fit my plan and purposes. You've got to trust me because I am the king of the world. I rule in the nations of this world. And nothing is happening unless I allow it to happen and it's part of my plan and my purposes. I certainly, as many of you, are heartsick to see what's happening in the nation of Ukraine. But I also am very interested in a spiritual sense because I am seeing how our God is beginning to maneuver the nations of this world to fit in with last day's prophecy. Because we understand, I think, that this is just one move on what we would call the chessboard. There are other nations now that are going to make moves based upon what this move was. And it all begins to line up with what the prophecy of God has told us will happen in the last days. You know, one of the ironic things about us as Christians is many of us as Christians are like, oh God, I hope that I'm, I'm in that generation that never has to die and that we just get to go up in the rapture. And yet, the very same people that say that are the people that are complaining about the times in which they're living. And I'm going, you, you realize that if you're in the generation that doesn't see death and is going up in the rapture, you realize what the conditions are going to be on earth, right? It's almost like we want to be part of the rapture, but we don't want to live at the world when we know it has to be like that before the rapture happens. It's like you can't have it both ways. Can't have it both ways. And so the psalmist is saying if we just knew the word, if we were just teachable, if we just allowed God to teach us from his word, we wouldn't get all flipped out and, and all twisted about the things that we see going on around us. We would understand that God is in control and that God is working out his plan and his purposes for this earth through it all, in every detail. Listen, let's get very specific here. Putin in Russia is being heavily influenced by evil demonic spirits. Okay? Just as the Bible has taught us. I'm not saying he's not responsible. I'm saying he is not even conscious of the fact that he's making moves based upon the influence of demonic evil spirits. And God, who's ultimately sovereign and in control, is allowing it to happen because... It is moving this earth and this world towards the end that he has predetermined. Because God's in control. And again, if more Christians knew the word of God, we would be protected, verse 13, in times of trouble. 
we would understand the bigger purpose that's going on here until, notice verse 13, the wicked are destroyed. And I know that word until, like, oh, God. But it's hard. It's, it's hard to live in a world filled with chaos and confusion and, and there's just so much craziness going all over, the, all over everything all the time. But God says, yes, but in me, my people can be at rest in me if they knew my word. Notice something else. Verse 14, certainly the Lord does not forsake his people. He will never leave us. He will never abandon us. He does not abandon or neglect even for a moment the nation that belongs to him. For justice will prevail and the morally upright will be vindicated. By the way, let me go back. I failed to share with you just how would, I, how would I pray verses 12 and 13? Father, make me teachable. Father, teach me your word. Give me a hunger for your word, God, that I might immerse myself in it so that I might know things that will protect me and prevent me from being so upset and so filled with angst and anxiety in the days in which we live because your word teaches us that the world isn't going to get better. It's going to get worse until the time that Christ comes. And so in the midst of all this craziness, God, help me to anchor myself in your word. Help me to hope in your word. Help my, my courage and my confidence to be placed in your word and not in the circumstances and situations in which I find myself. Father, teach me your word. And then if I had to pray verse 14 and verse 15, I, I would pray something like, Father, thank you for never turning your back on us, on me. Thank you, God, that even when I'm unfaithful, God, you are faithful. You will never leave me, even for a moment, God. You'll never take your eye off of me. I am the apple of your eye. I will always have you. You will always be by my side. You will always have my back, God, and I thank you for that because you never will abandon or reject or leave your people. You have promised to be with me, God, through thick and thin, through it all. From beginning to end, God, I'll never walk alone. I always have you, God, even if everyone else in my life and on earth, would turn their back on me. God, I know you'll never turn your back on me, God, and I thank you for that. I love what the psalmist then says in verse 16. Who will rise up or stand up and defend me against the wicked? Who will stand up for me against the evildoers? Again, God doesn't promise us that we won't have to deal with wickedness and evil and injustice. But God says, I'll stand up for you. I'll be your shield and defense. I'm your God. And then I love verse 17. If the Lord had not helped me, I would have laid down in the silence of death. Oh my, that's so true. I don't know how many Christians I've talked to over the years, and I feel this way. It's like, Life can be a struggle with God. Can you imagine not having God? Where would we be? 
without God, unless God supported us. In fact, that's what the word helped means, to support me. God will support his people always. I thought of these verses out of the book of Deuteronomy where Moses writes, there is no one like God who rides through the sky to help us on clouds in majesty. The everlasting God is a refuge, and underneath you are his eternal arms. I love that. You want to talk about support? God says, I got you. Underneath you always are my eternal arms. They're not going anywhere, so neither are you. We need to trust in God. He will defend us. He will be our shield in the midst of all this evil and wickedness and injustice. And that's why God is saying to his people, I know what you're going through. I I understand you're living in hard times, and yet you can do this because you know that I'm coming. And I am going to set things right. It's not always going to be like this. And until I come, I need you to be my hands and feet to take care of each other. And and, and I need you to rest in my word and know what's going on, that there's much deeper things going on than what you even see on the surface. you got to trust me with that. And you got to know I'll never turn my back on you. I will be with you through it all till I bring you home to glory. Verse 18, if I even say my foot is slipping, God, I'm really starting to struggle, your loyal love, O Lord, supports me. Your constant love, your unfailing love, Lord, sustains me. Because again, just like his presence, God's love is always there each and every day. God can't love you any more than he ever has, and he can't love you any less than he ever has. His love is constant. God, thank you for being my defender. Thank you for being my shield. Thank you for supporting me with your everlasting, eternal arms. Thank you for sustaining me with your constant, unfailing, and loyal love. God, what would I do without you? Where would I be without you, God? You're all that I truly need. And I know that you'll never turn your back on me. Therefore, God, I always have what I need in you. Verse 19, when worries threaten to overwhelm me, your soothing touch, or literally in the Hebrew, your comforting presence makes me happy. Whew. I wrote this prayer in my Bible beside verse 19. Teach me to delight and rest in your comfort when my mind is troubled. God says, my presence can soothe you when your mind is overwhelmed and when worries are literally bombarding your mind. My comforting presence can change that. Can I say that's why 
our worship of God is so important because it's when we come into the presence of God. And sometimes it's not even to sing or praise Him. Sometimes it's just to sit in His presence, just to be with Him, just to spend time in His presence that it can begin to, you know, resolve and, and, and renew and, and all of that, all the, the head stuff and the bad head space that we get in because we sit there and we drown in our own bad thoughts or we listen to the, to the bad thinking and the, and, and the bad thoughts of, of others. And, and we've, got to, we've got to counteract that with the presence, the comforting, soothing presence of God. Verse 20, cruel rulers are not your allies. Those who make oppressive laws, they conspire against the blameless and condemn to death the innocent. And we see that happening every day in our lives. But notice, but the Lord will protect me and my God will shelter me. God will be my safe place. He is my rock and my refuge. In the midst of it all, even in a world of injustice and evil and wickedness. I find my strength. I find my place in God, in the worship of God, in the word of God, in the presence of God, as I pray to God, as I praise God. It's, it's all found in God. And God is saying, I'm enough for you. But know this, my people. Know this. My justice is certain. And that's where the psalmist leaves us. Notice verse 23. He will. It's coming. He will pay them back for their sin. He will destroy them because of their evil. The Lord our God will come and destroy. He will judge one day. He will execute justice on this earth. The wrongs will be made right because he's a God of justice. And he wants his people to rest in that hope and that confident expectation. All the price tags will be reversed one day. All the values of this world one day will be reversed once and for all, and it will never, ever be the same again. And not only will God get the glory and honor that he deserves, but his people, his followers, will finally be vindicated before this world. The very last verse of the Bible, Revelation 22, verse 21, the very last verse, you know the last thing Jesus says to his people? Yes, I am coming soon. And the word soon doesn't mean like, because that's where a lot of Christians are like, well, he said that like 2,000 years ago, and look, it's been 2,000 years. No. The word means suddenly. In other words, Jesus saying, when the Father tells me it's time, oh my, as the Bible says, it's in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. And when Jesus comes, everything changes forever. Nothing is ever the same. And so I love the response of, of John in Revelation 22, 21. Amen! Come, Lord Jesus! And there we are. We're right back to where we started, praying for the coming of God. 
Your name be honored. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Folks, God understands. He understands. He really does what you and I are living through right now. He understands that. We're living in a world of evil, wickedness, and injustice every day, but God says, I've got you. And you've got to understand that I've got a plan and purpose for all this. I'm working in and through all this in spite of the evil, wickedness, and injustice, even through the wicked, evil, and injustice. Let me give you one example, and I promise I'll close. The life of Joseph. There's a great example of that. In fact, Joseph even said to his own brothers, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. That's exactly what God's doing today, every day in this world. He's taking the evil and wickedness and injustice, and he's bringing his own plans and purposes through it all. That's how great our God is, is that he can even take the wrath of men and praise him for it. And he's just saying to us, you got to trust me. I will avenge. I will come and make things right, but until I do, you got to rest in me, and you got to trust me, and you got to be my hands and my feet. Let's stand, and I'm going to ask our worship team to come. And as we prepare our hearts for a time of worship, I'm just praying that God would help all of us to rest in him in these days in which we live like never before because, folks, the world's not going to get better. The world's not going to get easier to navigate. If you and I are part of the last day's generation, then, folks, we've got to deal with the reality is it's going to get really bad. But God's still in control. And God is still on the throne, and God's plan and purposes are being worked out every day. And God will give his people everything we need in order to navigate, in fact, even to thrive in it and through it, because he's given us himself. And we find everything we need in our God. Where would we be without him? But with him, we have everything we'll ever need. So, Father, I pray this morning that as we come to you in prayer, that God, we even as we come into your presence, find that strength, find that confidence, find that courage that we need to just keep on keeping on. To be strong in you and to find our strength in you. God, so often we want it to be easy. And God, you have clearly said in your word, it's not going to ever be easy, but I can get you through it. So God, instead of your people desiring something that is unrealistic, help us to face reality, but to face it with you. And know, Lord, that no matter what comes, whatever we face, God, we can get through anything with you, Lord. You're enough for us. You are sufficient because we'll never, ever walk alone. God, these things we pray in Jesus' name, amen. May we allow our time of worship as we end today 
really to just infuse us with the strength that can only come from God as we sing this worship song this morning.